are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Um, I'm not going to use all this shit. I was just uh, making sure it still worked. So let me simplify. I was just comparing this rat to all the other things that make distortion. And man, is it ratty. Do you like it better than the classical MXR? Uh, this was a gift from my friend Jim Brown. And, uh, you know, I mean, this is way too subtle for anything I would have ever used. You know? That's kind of a classic, I believe. I believe that's a fucking Eddie Van Halen seal of approval. Like the MXR, was, that was the great distortion box of the 70s. Right. And one of the first guys that ever I learned guitar from, definitely, he played like the MXR through like those horrible, those Yamaha amps. You ever see those terrible yeah. Yamaha amps? The 70s Yamaha. Oh, yeah. So you play an MXR through the Yamaha, and it was fucking... It's fucking fun. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 um, you know, I've grown to like it, uh, but, you know, that, that rat has a very distinctive voice to it, is, is, is yeah, the that's only way what, to that's, put it. That's, if I use a distortion box, which I generally don't, but my distortion box I have and carry for emergencies is indeed what, What's the your rat. main amp these days? I don't even know. Box AC30. Okay. So, do you like this, the sound that gets without anything in front of it? Without any oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. It's got, I mean, it's got a good um, gain channel. And any, you know, any amp that has like a fully convincing, saturated gain, I, I'll generally just go with the amp. And I did verify that my hero, Ross the Boss. Yes. So I was, uh, you know, stalking him on the old Facebook Right, and I did find him somewhere on there saying, "I always have gone straight through the amp. I never use no," and and he was one of those guys that like washing his hands, then looking at his signal chain, mystified, mystified. How does he create this sound? Right, there's no gadgets between his. It's all from his hands. That's nice. And that's, uh, I know. And then, uh, and then once once you notice that, and you really watch him play, then you see he does look like his hands do look like different than other people. Like there's more. Man Different hands. hands. Wow. Well, I mean, you know, more claw. Like his, right. his 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 fingers are. Re he's real dug in. Like he's really really dug in how he does it. So it's the meat and the motion. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah um, man, it's very sexy. It's very sexy. This is something I picked up new that you might like because it's supposed to sound good in front of a clean amp. And what is it? And uh, it's it's a uh, distortion. You okay. know, it's an overdrive. Not really a distortion, but an overdrive by this company. Uh, it, Billy Gibbons endorses all those right. things. I haven't turned on that amp yet, if you notice, by the way. And uh, the other thing you might notice is I put new pickups in that SG that are hum-canceling. Oh, really? Yeah. They're As like, opposed to bucking. They don't buck, they cancel? Well, I don't know if humbucker is like a trademark thing. I, it's probably not a trademark thing, because everybody calls their pickups humbuckers, but yeah. Lindy Fralin calls those hum-canceling oh, okay. for maybe, whatever reason. Maybe they're bonus, like there's an extra hum condom on the I. I I don't know, but they are quiet. I, the, you know, the difference is noticeable. Um, that amp is making plenty of noise on its own, but uh, you to clip on your mic. And here is a. Oh, there's my nice little. You got two channels. So do you do you have something approximating with uh, what you care for? Yeah, I'm liking it. I'm a happy camper. All right. Nice guitar. I like this guitar. Uh, how you feeling about those?
sounds good. All right. My favorite album. Let's what, uh, album. the the uh, what uh, physical physical graffiti. Yeah, physical graffiti. Physical. Yeah, it's my favorite too. Yeah. I have a philosophy that every time a great band, if one of their best things they ever put out is their double album, that's always my favorite album. Blonde on Blonde. Really? Yeah, man. XL on Main Street. Electric Ladyland. Wow. You what? not always the white album. Not always the white album. Quadra- Sometimes the white album. But- Quadrophenia. Mm. Which Pete Townsend no, called you know, the pinnacle. Um, called it the pinnacle of our success. That's a good one. I would say with the Who though, for for reals, for reals, Tommy, um, the extended live at Leeds, oh, okay. which is actually the double CD that has all of Tommy in it. The double CD that the has du- all of Tommy. There was like three different um, live at Leeds. Mic, I, oh, is it? I'm it is on. Yeah. Right, let me, I'm forget let me see what you sound like. Keep talking. The original um, live at Leeds is you know one disc. Then when CDs came out, they made it like an extended disc that had a lot of things that weren't, you know, like Tattoo and right. uh, I'm a Boy, like a bunch of shit that wasn't on the original that. version. So that was the extended one disc. And then they put out a two disc set where disc two is end to end Tommy. Because what they used to do is wow. come out, they do some hits. Then they would do all of Tommy. Then they come out and do like Shaking All Over and that shit. Summertime Blues or whatever. Yeah. You know, they're, they're encore. But that like, so that is the best Who product is the double extended triple live at Leeds, but it's only two CDs. Second CD is Live Tommy, and it's a, it's and it's punches the shit out of the studio record version of Tommy. I just rewatched that documentary from 2007, whatever the hell it was called. Documentary um, about Tommy or about the Who? No, about the Who. The one that's called uh, Amazing Journey. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah, I got that. I turned it on the other night, thinking I would watch like a half an hour of it, and I watched all the way through. Oh, yeah. Well, it's funny because they have so much story that, like, however long that amazing journey is, a couple hours or whatever, it just flies by, like, because they can't spend time on anything. Right. Because there's so much history. There's a lot of ground to cover. Did you see Lambert and Stamp by any chance? I did not. I have been um, procrastinating about that. It's very, very good. Oh, you got it. I apologize that I haven't listened to your other your podcast yet. The one oh, dude, did with the guy—it's just the same shit I always talk about. Well, I'm glad to see that. I'm glad to see. I mean, um, you know, podcasts are a good thing. Uh, mine's going to be coming to an end. This is going to be the second to last one. No, penultimate. Wow. Is that how you say that? Penultimate. penultimate. Yes, the penultimate. Penultimate uh, aerial view. Yeah. So we've done, I couldn't believe this, but six of these. This will be seven. Yeah. Seven. And I have no idea what to focus upon. I really don't. I mean, I guess the Who or, you know, Pete Townsend's a good starting spot. But the other thing I watched last night that was really good was the Damned documentary. No, um, what, 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 what platform? Uh, what, it's what's on, on Amazon that? Amazon Prime. It's, I got it's, that. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's called... Uh, Bet you wish we were dead, which is a line. From uh huh. Yeah, song. yeah. From uh, Machine uh, Gun Etiquette, the yeah, song. Right. So uh, I mean, it, and it's really, it's really good. And I had forgotten like just how good Brian James was and, and Captain Sensible and strange their, their combination of you know the lead and the rhythm that they did is, I mean, I love that. I love that kind of stuff. Well, Captain you know. Sensible, he's he's sort of a, 
I mean, if you look what he did from like, be, like, hot shit lead guitar player, but also that very melodic '60s thing, like, like, um, he's almost like a one-man law unto himself as far as like tasteful, creative punk rock, classy punk rock guitar player. Yeah, yeah. Uh, very like, all he's one of those guys that every guitar player that ever wanted to write songs loves him. You know, because he's the master of parts and he's got those nice arpeggios, but of course he can balls out rock. And it, it's just weird that he was the bass player and then like when he stepped into guitar, he really killed it. And then playing keyboards on Plan 9 and all that shit. And then Plan 9's got those keyboards, but all those wicked licks all over it. He's a talented guy. And, you know, I mean, as much as I knew about The Damned, I wasn't aware of that switch from, you know, the Brian James era and then Captain Sensible moving over to guitar. I'm not sure I ever looked at the credits on any of those well, you know records what, to see yeah. who the hell was playing guitar i feel so naive well to me it's like you that's their, their whole career like you had um the first album you knew that that was brian james and that was that was and i, I think love his playing i, I think that first one it, that might be the first i don't know if they beat the ramones but it, it's like the first like punk you punk album it, i mean the, the, here's the thing about the damn it's really interesting is like i'm reading this john doe book under the big Black yeah Sun i'm finishing and, that right myself you know, i'm at the and end the of that damn yeah. set off the goddamn la punk yeah right? they show up there in what 70 that's why i had all that makeup that. and all that goth right. shit and they they put out the first punk 45 in mm. england new rose right yep the first album yep, yep. they are i mean we we kind of we tend to forget them in the shuffle um, but in the film, it's really funny because, you know, their film is, I, I don't know how many years ago, 2011, I think. Yeah. And they're still playing, you know? Yeah. And they're, and they're obviously very bitter <laughs> about yeah. the fact that people think of the Ramones and the Sex Pistols before they think of the Damned, you know, yeah. in terms of being trendsetters. And I, I have to say, I felt guilty too. I felt like, yeah, the Damned. Yeah. Well, I mean, to me, like when I was first being educated about punk rock... <laughs> Like, so, you know, the Sex Pistols, I mean, that's a one album, that, that's that one album. Right. And that's, they're done, right? So, right. And then, you know, and the Ramones is kind of this perennial, like, Chuck Berry-ish presence, you know, Rolling Stones-like. But to me, like, the people, it, it seemed like, like, the Damned seemed like a big musician's band. Like, people that were in the rock bands. Yeah. It's funny you say Damned. that, because in yeah. the film, they kept talking about their musicality. Yep. You know, they got Chrissy Hind in there, and she's saying the damn could actually play. Yep. There were a lot of bands that, you know, they faked their way through it. Yeah. They couldn't really play, but the damn were really good musicians. You yeah, know? yeah. And um, now I'm trying to remember if I, I used to know how to play New Rose, but uh, I, I think I forgot. Down and I don't know how much of that. That's pretty close. Um, are you playing any of that with uh, with Otis or no? That damned uh, songs in the repertoire. Or? No, in that song, I rem- that was one of the first things I ever learned how to play. Yeah, me too. And it might. Be the, that might be the last time I that played That and like Beat on the Brat were literally the first. Those ones, I, no, those I played more recently. But yeah. well, the Beat on the Brat, like with that first Ramones album, that was one where I think that, you know, uh, 
I had a friend, my older friend Mitch Gurowitz, who I ended up playing a little bit with in a punk rock band when I was first starting. Him and my dad both used to show me some shit. And I can't remember who it was, but like two, like the first song, I, one of the first songs I learned would have been uh, Blitzkrieg Bop. Okay. So then the second song on the album is Beat on the Brat. So after those two songs, then you listen to the third song, and I'm by myself, and I'm going like, I don't know, this sounds like there's a lot of the same stuff in those first two songs. And I think the third song might be Texas Chainsaw. But I ended up like just going, like learning that whole Ramones album, because after those first two songs, it was kind of like I've cracked the code, like, like. When you say your dad, is, was your dad a guitar player? Or? Bass player. Bass player. And he played in cover bands in, throughout the entire 70s and kind of quit, I think, right in 1980 sometime. Okay. But stuff like like the first times I heard Surrender, like he was like, like Surrender, I first heard from him, The Police, I first heard from him, The Cars. Like the first time I ever heard Just What I Needed, he brought that in the house to learn. So, And it was sort of like that was the last wave of new music he was learning was... That's right, because my dad, even though he's a musician, he wasn't cool. Yeah. Um, so, so like when the Cars first came out, he got the single to learn it, and he goes like, "This, this is a punk band, you know. This is a punk band." And I was like, "Whoa, whoa, this is one of those new punk bands." So then later, when the Cars became popular, and my dad was dissing punk rock, I was like, "Well, you like punk? You said the Cars was a punk band." And he goes, "I never said the Cars was a punk band." He goes, You're crazy. Th- then he said this. He goes, and this is the first time I ever heard this expression. He goes, "I said they were a new wave band." New wave, my fucking ass. <laughs> that was the first time I ever heard new wave. God, I, I think I hate that expression more than punk rock. I mean, punk rock? I don't know which one I hate. I mean, punk rock has kind of rehabilitated itself in my eyes over the years, but I know when people used to go, oh, punk rock, I'd be like, shut up. Yeah, Just yeah. Just shut up. I mean, Brian James talks a lot about the Stooges and the MC5. I mean, yes. that's what he was coming from, where yep. he was coming from, right? Yeah. So, you know, that wasn't called punk rock as far as I know. No, it was no. never... I mean, nowadays, maybe they call it a progenitor of punk rock, but back then they called it rock and roll. No, it's true. It was known as rock and roll. Yeah. It was known as rock and roll, and it was still... But basically, what, it, what I ended up having as an adult, like, you know, after learning all the punk and then going either back to music I used to like or any any kind of classic stuff, is, like, all music I like sounds like punk rock to me. Yeah. And so it's like, I mean, Jimmy Page, that's total punk rock. Like, Jimmy Page is completely punk rock. Black Sabbath is totally punk rock. Um, I have no beef against Judas Priest, but I don't listen to them, and I don't, I don't find them to be punk rock. But I think Maiden is kind of punk rock. Um, it's, it's funny because I was just thinking about that lawsuit they just won, the Stairway to Hell Oh, lawsuit. yes, yes. And, uh, you know, having to drag uh, Robert Plant and Jimmy Page into a courtroom on very specious grounds and i my theory was of course that they they were just a starstruck judge who wanted to meet robert plant and jimmy page yeah because it was kind of a waste of time i have mixed uh i have very mixed feelings about that because i I don't know if you went through the whole like compare and contrast i did okay because we know what the legality is like the legalities are that you can't copyright a chord progression right like that's kind of so there's kind of like a bottom line where if they stole the guy's exact chord progression and then sang different over it. They didn't steal it. But on the other hand, when you hear what Spirit did, and then you know that Zeppelin was playing gigs with them and heard the song, it's like, yeah, come on. They took it. But also because their track record, you know, the Dazed and Confused, they totally stole Dazed and Confused from yeah. Jake Holmes. Yeah. Semi-credited him, and then he kind of retrospectively was like, oh, maybe I should have sued him more. Right. 
But the thing that happened with Spirit is that a few people died, yep. and, the, and the rights passed on to other people who got all suey. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And I, I, honest to God, <laughs> don't think they sound the same. I've listened to them side by side. There are differences. And just like when the fucking telephone was invented, there were several people who came up with a telephone at the same time. Yes. It doesn't mean they were stealing from each other. That's parallel you know? thinking. And I think... What what really upsets me is when people start going after Jimmy Page and Robert Plant online and Led Zeppelin and calling them hacks. It's it's like what about all the other original stuff that they cranked out? Well, I mean, where's yeah, the yeah. love for these were very creative people and what they took they they transformed and there's a, a strong tradition in art oh. whether it's music or any other form of people transforming previous work and building upon it. So like the I. Yes, Robert Plant obviously stole a lot of lyrics and quoted them verbatim, and that's what got well, them in Well, trouble, my favorite way that Jimmy know? Page explained that was he said, he just goes like, well, this is how blues songs are written. He goes like, you know, you take the song and then just change the words. And he goes, and, and Robert just forgot to change, change the, words. the words. And the thing is, is that those examples, like those, like the, those, those ones, the uh, Willie Dixon ones, those to me, those are completely different songs with the same words. Like it's sort of the right. opposite. It's almost the opposite of what they said the process was because if you didn't have the same words, you would see no resemblance. But. Right. Yeah. And I, I you know, I, I made the mistake of going. You know, this is the problem with the fucking internet. Is like after the verdict came down, I made the mistake of you know, going online to read about it, and because it's the web, I found myself to some comment section with all these people calling them absolute hacks, and all yeah. they did was steal from poor black men, and. I'm like, are we really still doing that? Are we still on that? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. 2016. Are we, st you know, and uh, far be it from me to be the defender of Led Zeppelin. They don't need me defending them. Yeah, well, but it's just so stupid. The internet you know? is a place where if you where can call, reigns. if you can, especially if you can pull blue bullshit, call bullshit on an old rich white guy. Right. People, there's going to be someone that is ready to uh, take to take up that cause, <laughs> like. So I'm just saying that a lot of that can be com coming from people that aren't especially really interested even in music. It's just right. like, yeah, well, anyways. Well, so, so let's say if this was ostensibly a guitar lesson, yes. let's uh, talk. Uh, what, what kind of questions you got? What are you, uh, what are you curious about? Wh why am I uh, so bad? No, um, you know, uh, it's, I, can't, I can't look you in the eye, Keith Hartel, uh, <laughs> as we sit here for our seventh and possibly last uh, you know, aerial view guitar lesson, um, because I haven't picked this thing up at all probably since the last time I saw you. What what happened since the last time I saw you is I had surgery on my right foot, so I've been confined right. upstairs. And um, prior to that, Janet bought me a, a, a Gibson acoustic. I've always wanted a Gibson acoustic, and we were over at a friend's house. Mm -hmm. And long story short, he had one that he was going to bring to a flea market and sell. Mm -hmm. And uh, I we bought it. She bought it for me as a birthday gift. It turns out it's like a 1959 LGO. And um, so I've been playing slide on that. I, got, uh -huh. I raised up the nut uh, with one of those handy-dandy devices. And I was sitting in bed because I could lay in bed and play it on my lap. Yeah. And that's about all I've done. I was playing... Uh, Speaking of Led Zeppelin, uh, when the when the levee breaks, you know, that's oh, yeah, I was yeah, playing. Yeah. I did the open dad gad or whatever the hell it was. To yeah, me. and that was the extent of my guitar playing since um, this is the first time, you know, that I've come downstairs and plugged in some electric guitars. So, you know, I I, I know I harp on this theme, but I feel like a a failure as a student. Well, I don't know. 
um, you know, what I've actually uh, retained in all of the times that we've spent together. But I do like playing the guitar. I just like... You sound like you lack specific goals. I, uh, I lack specific goals, yes. So the thing that, I mean, the main thing I find the number one real-life motivator is, you know, it's like anything else. You know, like if, I, if I'm in a band, if I have gigs, so if I, if I have to show up and deal with someone, I mean, right. that's, that's one of the things that will make you do some stuff if you have to get ready for a gig. And then the way a lot of people are with the guitar lessons, like say when it's a solid once a week, you know, there'll be plenty of people that, you know, people tend to have often lives. Yes. Um, and a lot of times, um, many people like yourself really don't have a specific thing they want to do. So for a lot of people just showing up for that half hour a week or whatever, that's how they keep in the game. And then usually that ends up being sort of fishing around, you know, learning different songs and stuff. Um, who have I been listening to lately? Wow, that's a good question. Uh, I've been listening to lately a lot of Deep Purple because um, I interviewed Glenn Hughes. So after that, I kind of really? went down to the Deep Purple hole. Um, that's a hard hole, man. It's it's a difficult one. I mean, that was a very talented bunch of people, too, who are also on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction. And um, I'll, I'll tell you something outrageous. Steve Morse, who plays guitar for them now, he is a lefty that plays righty, which different people have different opinions about how good an idea it is to go around like that or not. But definitely... There's dudes that are professional, famous guitar players that are lefties that play righty, and he's one of them. But he, because when he was playing Smoke on the Water, I think he was trying to do like a pluck it with the thumb and index, yeah. like to be classy or something. He played Smoke on the Water so fucking bad. And it's like this. I th yeah, we're, we're I was just going to say, I thought, this was, I thought it was horrible. It I mean, sounded bad, right? Yeah. And it yeah. was because he was trying to, he was plucking, and his... his Right hand is like your left hand, which means, you know, it's not his good hand. Right. And it just sounded really stiff, and it's kind of like, dude, you're blowing the fucking... This is the riff that you teach people the first time they ever played, and you make it suck. And Tammy, who's not a guitar player, she's watching with me, she just goes like, does something sound a little off about how he's playing the riff? It's just like, if you're playing Smoke on the Water and some dude's wife is complaining, you, you suck at Smoke on the Water. <laughs> Steve Morris, man, he's like one of the top technical, most, you know, admired, accomplished... Yeah, right. Trailblazer I mean, Dix, of Dixie Fusion. Dregs, is that who yeah, he Dixie Dregs. Yeah, Dixie He's Dregs. a trailblazer of Fusion. Right. He's played with such artists as uh, Kansas. What the fuck is he doing in Deep Purple? Well, he, that's his job, like, making a buck. Well, you, right. know, you know what I mean? Trying to survive. Like, like yeah. that's how a guy from but Fusion survives. But they could have survives. found a Blackmore Acolyte, couldn't they? Have? A Blackalite? A Blackalite? <laughs> Yeah, I don't. Well, probably they're they're probably like, oh no, we want someone who does his own thing. Um, Steve Morse. I'm is looking a big at name. what I've downloaded recently, by the way, just so yeah. I can tell you. Queens of the Stone Age. That's really, a band I like. I like really, that band. really like them. Yeah. Um, Judas Priest was listening to a lot of Van Halen. Uh, for some reason, I got Detective in here. That band, Detective. Detective. Uh, that's uh, Detective? is that Michael DeBars? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were on Swan Song. Yeah, yeah. Uh, remember, I got Sabbath in here. Always a fan of Sabbath. Sabbath uh, is a good one to talk about. Yeah, I, I uh, yeah, I like Tony Iommi. He's he's good. He's the, really good. He's as punk as it gets. Um, yeah, he's he's a punk rocker. I would go along with you on that. Uh, listening to the the Guess Who a lot lately. I really like Randy Bachman. I mean, I gotta give it up for Randy Bachman. I I I think he's a great guitar player. Um, Johnny Cash is in here. The Kinks. Listening to a lot of the Kinks lately. People go crazy uh, for that Kinks. The Knack, I downloaded The Knack here. This is all this Amazon Prime shit that I get for free. Have so. you listened to that first Knack album lately? 
Uh, yeah, well, get the neck. You mean the, yeah, yeah, incongruously, like that's one of those things when you listen back, like that band was slick. Yeah, they were they were players, like really, like that. My Sharona, that whole jam section of My Sharona. Yeah, it's intense. They were good. Like that. No, they were very talented people. They just, you know, that that they screwed the pooch, unfortunately. Um, Soundgarden is in here. Uh, who else? Uh, Rolling Stones, Queen, PJ Harvey is in here. Paul McCartney and Wings. Yeah, man. And uh, those are just some. Wings of the is getting big. Uh, they are. They're becoming a big band. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're really catching on, man. <laughs> What do you mean? What, what are you talking about? What, what did I miss? Oh, Foreigner. I, you and I had a whole conversation about Foreigner, didn't we? Foreigner is the good, bad company. Yeah, the good, bad that's company. That's my, that's my that's inverted way of it? looking. That's my, that's my, my trail, my, 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 my contrarian, although I do believe that. I believe that um, Foreigner is the power pop bad company. But I think that like the, the template of like the sonic spectrum and the arrangements, the riffs, like... I feel it's a, a bad company template with with better pop tunes. That's that's what I feel like it is. And I think Black Flag was on that list as well. So I, like, like I that went Black back Flag. and yeah, I, I'm I, going to see Flag on Tuesday, man. I'm going to go see Flag. <laughs> I never seen Flag yet. I'm looking forward to it. I uh, I, I saw them back in God knows when when. Uh, but I mean Flag. You mean like the, the Flag being the the one that's not Greg Ginn. It's like Keith Morris, Chuck Kukowski. Yeah. Yes, Kadena. You saw. Yeah. You see that thing? It's sad. Yes, I did. But that's and they're I've suing seen, each other. It's, it's like the dead Kennedys suing each other. It's like during that damn documentary, you had Brian James and Rat Scabies going out together the playing the damn. You singer. You know, that's what you do. That's a stage. It's just a stage of. It's just a stage of the standard. I, I know I fell asleep towards the end of this thing because it's an hour and fifty minutes long. But I don't think there was a moment when. They decided to lay aside their differences and play uh, together. Wait, are you, you know talking about I mean? the dam? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was interesting because the dam. I think they were going out on a 35th anniversary tour. Dave Vanian and Captain Sensible with two other fart knockers, <laughs> and they were playing like the yeah. dam in its entirety, the first album. Yeah. And then Scabies and James go out and do the same exact thing. So you have yeah. two bands in England that are going out playing the damned in its entirety and i guess on separate nights you could decide which one sounded more authentic that's funny because that follows an exact well that's the flag model flag right. on that and um sort of in a way um ween even was kind of doing that because i mean they, now what Ween? well ween has been reunited this year but before they reunited aaron the singer quit and then he would tour with a bunch of musicians doing ween songs and then mickey would tour with the rest of ween but not Aaron doing Ween songs, but like that's like a new thing. Like the, and it starts. The first example of that I can remember is the year that you had Anderson, Bruford, Wakeman, Howe, and then you Fuck had the other band noise. with Chris Squire. There was two yeses at one point. There was two yeses. But that's so sad. But anyway. Uh, anyway. Ask me a mystery of a band. What band? Guitar mystery of a uh, band. You know, as somebody who was always the sole guitarist in the band that he was in. Yeah. There, the, the thing that I loved about watching that damn thing last night. Was to see somebody who's covering all the bases. You know, they're yeah. playing the rhythm, they're playing the lead, yeah. and they're very often playing both at the same time. You know, he's playing a few chords and then he's peeling off something. Yes, yes, yes. And and that yes. is that's always you know some an area skill set I I thought I could probably build upon. Yeah. Don't you ha often have to do the same thing? Aren't you often the sole guitar player? Sure, sure. So. That's um, that's what you call the. Uh, you have to call that the, the Chuck Berry model. It's the Chuck. Berry. I mean, Chuck Berry guy is the guy that you think of as the ultimate guy of that. Um, and basically, I think 
trying to think of like the, the best examples of that, like your Pete Townsend or whatever. Yeah. Like it's really, um, it's it seems like it's a lot of a mindset. I mean, because you almost have to go to specific songs to say like where does it, how does it work. But like a lot of it is that if you are the rhythm guy that has to go lead, it means when you throw those licks in, like, like let's just say all music equally relies on rhythm. So like if you feel like you're playing a rhythm part, you know, um, that feels like rhythm. But if you're going, that has just as much rhythm as. So like a lot of the you know guys that are really good at flipping back and forth, it's just kind of like it's built. You know, I mean, the ultimate Hendrix, 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 Hendrix is you know the ultimate of that. But I mean, if you look at a guy like Hendrix, a lot of it is he, if he's always got that underlying, you know, when he starts playing rhythm, it doesn't feel like a break. Like, in other words, it's, it's kind of very mental. Right. Um, a guy I think about like that a lot is if you listen to like uh, Faces era Ron Wood, mm -hmm. because he had that perfect mix of where he is just doing the honkinest rhythm and then he'll step out of it to play a f couple licks that'll be like these fat leads and then just... That that's one of your best examples of a of a guy that does that. But um, let's say if you take yeah. Someone someone won those lines. Yeah. What song no. was that? A, was that a special? Was no, that, a song? that was wasn't that a, a song. That doing? was just you know yeah. That wasn't a song. But I mean that kind of thing, you know, is what I would like to develop. Uh -huh. Do you listen to? Um, uh, Dr. Feelgood at all? Uh, back in the day, I did, yeah. That's very yeah. much um, that Wilco Johnson kind of thinking. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, I had no idea that's what I was thinking of. But, I mean... Out of tune again. Hey, hit me with some of that stuff. I mean, what's the last thing you learned to be able to play with the karaoke band, for instance? Oh, it, that's funny because... How many, how many numbers are you guys up to at this point? Mm. Well, the karaoke band hasn't been active in a long time, but the last thing we played was um, a wedding. So one of the things I had to get good at was I had to get good at um, Talk Dirty to Me. What the fuck is that? What is that? Um. Is that the New York... Is that Johnny Thunders? Or... No. Oh. You know, never, never seen you look so good. You never like the way you sit. But I like it. And you know you like it too. The way that I want you. I gotta have you. Oh, yes, I do. I never. Call you on the telephone. Only way to get you home. There you go. But I like. Oh, so you don't recognize? I don't Talk recognize me. this. Talk dirty to me, my poison. Talk dirty oh, to me, yeah, my poison. Yeah, poison is a unknown. It's, it's an unknown territory. It's an un, it's the unconquered land. It's, yeah. I don't know from Poison. Well, the funny, I like that song. I will be a Poison apologist for that song. That song, because uh, it's got this solo that goes.
Did the bride or... Wow. But anyway, um, everyone likes Talk Did Dirty Did the bride to me. or the groom request that one in particular? Or well, there was, was a, a list given out of songs that we knew that that could be one of them. Um, but um, as far as like, like if, you, if you're thinking about like the lead rhythm, like mm. really go, go into that. If you get into that live, it leads. Because it's sort mm. of like, um, you'd have to give Pete Townsend was kind of the man... I mean, if you take, you know, um, you have um, Hendrix and Townsend. So, yeah. like, Hendrix, if you're more into the noodlies, you get your Hendrix. And if you're more into the rhythm with enough noodlies to do a balanced diet, it's a Townsend. But he really crushes a lot of the lead playing on Live at Leeds. But there's this energy where it's kind of like if you have Townsend, um, Moon, and Entwistle, everyone is always playing lead and always playing rhythm. But, like, say if you take t uh, Shake It All Over, like, mm -hmm. uh, you ever learn how to play that one? That no. Got... Yeah, do you know your, um, the E minor pentatonic scale? No, um, not. Well, well, it'll probably come back to you, because I think we did it before, but say it's like, the shape is from the open position. We'll go O3. And then the next three strings... Then the top two strings. Right. So his first lick is. Yeah, now what you could do to get that to kind of punch, be punchy, try to get everything. Um, I'm going to do alternate picking, so I'm going. So every note gets hit really hard. And now what I'm going to do is my, we're going to pull off on the G string and then all the other ones are picked. So it's. Right. And then you go straight into. So that's a. Now what I would do there is if you do all downstrokes, it'll be easier to make it get it that because I mean when you're talking about that rhythm lead thing, now right there, because that's really that's a bass line, right? Mm -hmm. But if you're playing it on guitar and you're playing a bass line, well then that's some version of rhythm guitar. So yeah. Am I doing that right? That well there's the no no, there's no, it's just um That's it. Yeah, now, if you can go from... Um... Now, you notice how, like, the first part sounds like a lick, and then the second part sounds like a groove. Mm -hmm. But, what am I... I mean, it's still, you're playing one note at a time... Thank you. 
that, that, on that second string, you have that. So it's here instead of here? Yeah, yeah, it's the third fret. Yeah, if we get this shape, let's let's practice this shape a little bit because okay. this thing will um this it's the be all end all. It's one of these like um ground zero for a million things that happen. Okay. Because if we talk about shaken all over, then we can talk about A C D C back in black has shaken all over in it, but shaken all over has rumble in it. And wow. all of these songs all do things with this some kind of lick off this E minor pentatonic scale. Yeah, so let's uh for practice we'll do is go up and down a couple times it's the start with that now the next three strings o2 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 and then o3 o3 now when you come back two o two o yeah now do that two more times no but i mean up and down if you would Memory. It's just hard. go slow. Just go slow. Yeah. Yeah. Now the next thing I would add to that is for practice. Practice that with the alternate pick, so that you just get like you're just training your hand. Yeah, to think the two notes at a time. Yes. Always start down. Always make it down, up, down, up, down, up. Down, up. Yeah, down, up, down. Yeah. Now always down, up, every string. Yeah. Yes. That feels so unnatural to me. Why? Well, I'll tell you why. Here's why. Because it is? You have not practiced it. That's why. But here's the thing, because if you think about, like, if you think about it, just the, the logic of it, two notes per string, then you know that down up is, you know, more efficiency just because you get two for the price of one. For the, yes. Because if you go down, you have to always come up to do the next down. Right. So, you know, the alternate picking is efficient. And then when you have two notes per string, one of the kind of basic, like a, a simple technical thing that if you really get going, if you just really get this to feel natural, you might not you know, most likely won't always play strictly alternate because it's not naturally to strictly play any particular way. Mm -hmm. But if you build that as one of your reflexes in your toolbox, like that's one of those kind of really a basic technical thing anyone can learn, but you do have to put time to get the repetitions in just for it to feel normal. But then, then you get powers. to remember where the fingers go is that if you play a G chord all the notes in your G chord are in there so yes. it's like the O3 then three strings of O2 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 and then top two right that's it Now for our next tune that's in this area, like we could play uh, Rumble by Link Ray. So Rumble, what he does for Rumble is he plays a D, 
but he doesn't play the top string, but he includes the A string, so you get this nice... Yeah. Now, what you want to do is when you make sure you include the A string in the D chord, because that gives it the growl. Yeah, and what I would do for my... Like, I would keep the third finger there anyway, because that's how you normally play a D, right? Yeah. I've so played. if you leave the second finger out, just keep the same D, but just leave the third finger out, and then you get this... Yeah, so you got... D, D, Then it goes to D, D, A. Now, when you're doing D, D, A, you're thinking that you're playing those middle four strings on both chords. So you get... So you make sure that you include that A string when you do the D. I thought you said middle four strings. You, you yeah, there's a the middle four if you oh. include the A string. Yeah. Right. But you're not playing the high E, you're saying. You're not playing the high E, that's okay. right. And then you go back to the D, D, E. And again, always, see, you're including that the A string for the growl. Right. Now, turn around. Um, do you know this fingering of B7? No. Your first finger is going to go on the um, first fret of the D string. First fret, yeah, D string. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then your second finger is on the second fret of the... Yes, there. Third finger is on the second fret of the G string. And then your pinky is on the second fret of the high E string. So all your fingers except for the first finger, right? Now what you do is you play... Yeah, what you're trying to do is the first one, the one, two, three, or one, two, and then get the top two together. Right, now after that, you have the money. Which is just that pentatonic yeah. scale backwards. Yeah, man. And then you're back to... This is in, uh, an E you're playing here? Yep. I gotta tune again. Hang on a second. Do you have any more beers in your house by any chance? I do not. You're welcome to finish mine, though. I barely sipped any of them. Okay. You don't have right. a, I'm a wine syphilis or anything. Do you? No, oh, you're a wine guy. I'm a wino these days. That's what uh, people... When I think of a wino, a guy who drinks wine, yeah. that's the perfect, not saying it's you, but it would be if it was me, but like, like the guy that, wine, wine, wine is the, uh, that's the alcoholic on a health kick. Yeah. It's like, oh, I just took a glass of wine. Did you used to watch that, um, that reality show that had Sebastian Bach and Ted Nugent at Rockstar? I think it was called Rockstar. Thankfully, no. No, no, no. Thankfully, no, you should be sad that you didn't see it. Because it was hilarious because Sebastian Bach was in that stage of, of alcoholic denial where it was like, no, I just have a glass of wine. And then he would just drink so much wine that he's like wrestling with the guy from Biohazard and getting thrown out of the band. And I didn't, I didn't even know this show was on. This is years ago. It was before. Keep it, put it this way. Ted Nugent was already like a pro-gun, like... Um, dissing um, OD victim guy 
but he was nowhere near like the um the figure, bag that he the is lightning now? rod. <laughs> Don't you want lightning to... rod? I used to play that in Cobra. Ah, but the, the key to that lick is that it's always the double stops on this. Yeah, we got. Yeah, man. Yeah, we used to play that. I used to actually know it. Wow. Yeah. That was 1978. Though. And here's a little, like a little, not only that song, but just that style. That's very Detroit. That style is very Detroit. But you got to make sure that, that this pedal of this open A string, you got to get that in between everything so you get that... Yeah. Yeah, that gives it to Detroit. Yeah, man. I'll tell you, man, I feel bad that Ted has made it impossible for people to appreciate his accomplishments. <laughs> hey, I'll listen to the Amboy Dukes all day long. I don't care. I mean, I'll even listen to, you know, early Ted Nugent, but... At some point, he just started to suck badly, you know, like well, a lot of these in a, way he was, in a way, he was kind of never that good. And then in another way, you have those, he had a few songs, but I think he had much like Peter Frampton, that, that journeyman work ethic, wherein, like, he toured so much with such a tight band that there was kind of like a solidness. Right. And he, to like George Thorogood, he, knew, yeah, he knows yeah. what he does and what he does well, and that's yeah. what he does. You know, he doesn't try to do anything that isn't that. Well, you ever you watch know? the, uh, you, ever, you ever watch the uh, Rock Palace? Like, it was like, uh, I think it was like first album era Ted, like early Ted. Right. Like Rock Palace. And it's just like this band crushes it. And one of the things that's cool about Ted is like every guy that he ever got to like be the lead singer and also play guitar. Yeah. That guy can always play lead guitar at least as well as Ted. And that guy gets to do some leads. But as Ted Nugent once said in an interview, it goes like, well, look, because, you know, he was, it was always called Ted Nugent, but he always had some other singer. And he goes, if, if you come to see a Ted Nugent concert, you're not going to have any problem figuring out who the Ted Nugent guy is. <laughs> what a bonehead rift. Oh, the best. In the history of bonehead riffs, it's so, so boneheaded. Yeah, you know? well, it's Smoke on the Water-esque. <laughs> it's, it's his Smoke on the Water. What about Wang Dang, Sweet Poon Dang? Oh, I don't know how to play that song, man. I, I don't know. And I haven't, I haven't studied up on Ted. That was a karaoke band song. But uh, I do say, like, one of my stories about, like, one of my, like, breakthroughs, my psychic, you know, uh, uh, psychedelic experiences. When I was on tour with AOD, it was, I think it was maybe, it might have been... It may have been the second time I took LSD, and we took it on a day off. We went to a prairie dog town and saw some, you know, we went to a petting zoo. Yeah. And then we were driving around Colorado and the beautiful stars in the van. And and then at one point, as I'm tripping, I find myself laying in the beautiful back section, all the pillowed up section, and they're playing um, the live version of uh, Stranglehold. Oh, yeah. So it's yeah, the yeah. guitar solo, and I'm tripping. I'm just like... I suddenly understand the fascination with the 
extended guitar solo. Yeah. Like I was fast. And the thing is, is I mean, Ted was good, but he's not fascinating. Right. Like that right. shows you the power of LSD. <laughs> but I mean, also that Ted was doing his job. Like, I mean, he's getting, he's keeping it going. He's keeping something happening. Right. But it was like that. I had that, whatever that LSD attention where I was suddenly able to zero in on the idea of like the epic guitar solo. Well, yeah, listen, as long as we're exploring the career of Ted Nugent, I mean, what I, what I always thought about the guy was, you know, he's a live act. You, you got to yeah. see Ted Nugent live. The record's not that compelling, yeah. you know, but I'm sure if you were in the audience at one of his shows, you'd be going apeshit crazy yeah. because he's a showman, you know, and he would get out there and put on a show, yep. basically. Yep. And, you know, but go home and listen to the records? No. I'll go home and listen to ACD records, ACDC records. I'll go home and listen to, you know, George Thorogood records yeah. before I would listen to Ted Nugent records. Well, ACDC, let's talk about that for a second. Sure. Um like AC or ACDC, what's become of them? Apparently, I think they have Axel. And, and what were you gonna say about them? The, what's uh, a favorite favorite ACDC song? All of them. Favorite? All right. Well, ACDC is a perfect <laughs> example of a band. Like talking about like the um, the, the vocabulary, like taking a small vocabulary, like like they don't ACDC doesn't veer much outside of open chords. Like, it's the same chord. It's like E-A-D-G-C. Like, mm. every ACDC song is leaning on some of that. And every riff they have, um, one of the things I like to say about them is every rhythm guitar thing ACDC ever did is somewhere on Live at Leeds. Mm -hmm. Somewhere on Live at Leeds, everything ACDC ever did, somewhere is on there. Um, but um, it's the perfect music of, like understanding what the form is about like like powerful rhythm guitar a good beat good beat a hook a riff mm -hmm. a catchy like a title and then when like what i've been noticing because you know i've been listening to a lot of acdc lately myself it's like you ever notice that angus young sounds like a violin no like he I sounds like out, it. it's outrageously rocking and stuff but that vibrato that ring like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, he's got, yeah. like, a violin-like sound. Especially, like, I think I, even on the older, like, the pre-Mutt Lang stuff, mm -hmm. you know, he's mixed louder, and he does a lot more. He does a lot more. He just, you know, he's just, he's just going off a lot more. Is that his vibrato? What yeah, it's his sick vibrato. Sick vibrato. Sick vibrato. He's mm -hmm. got a sick violin-esque vibrato. But, um, but it's not the B.B. King vibrato. It's well, not that you, one. Well, you know what, BB King's kind of thing I think you see a lot is if you had. Like, you see a lot of. With him, it's that whole hand moving. But with with Angus, Angus would be. Angus has a lot of that, too. Like, like it's kind of like these vibrato guys. If you start from the idea of. Like, like, like basically, like the bad. With vibrato, the more that it's the finger itself, the worse. Usually. Mm -hmm. So, like, say if I'm going to start with, if I use first finger vibrato, and I'll go to the 12th fret of the G string, because that's the perfect vibrato sweet spot. So the first thing I'll have is that you'll notice, like, when I'm doing it, like, you'll see that it comes from all the way, the wrist, arm. Yeah. So then when you get guys that are more getting advanced, you can get this, like, like, now you see, once I do that, you see that, like, the whole arm is moving? Yeah. Now, if you watch footage of uh, Angus or BB, who are very differently sized men, 
you will see them well they were it will start to look like they're standing still and the guitar is just like vibrating but it's kind of because this vibrato control is coming from so it's kind of like almost like a tai chi thing where like say the most local is your finger and then what you're aiming for is you're aiming for it to come more from the wrist but then the further that gets it'll get into like where the elbow joint is and then it gets more into the it can get more into the arm and then the bigger that the muscle mass you're using, the less it's working. You know what I mean? So if, if it's like by the time that it's getting into your arm, it's a very subtle motion. And that's when you get that thing that you'll see with BB or Angus, where the um, it looks almost like their whole body is doing the vibrato. It's very... It's but it, very are odd. you saying that's good or bad? I oh, mean, it's awesome. That, it's awesome. Tremendous. Well, I'm saying that Angus kind of has like, I mean, um, Angus has, I think... As far as like anyone from rock, because if you want to start going into your, you know, the bluesier, the BB King area, like that gets into another classy little levels of subtlety and distinction, mm -hmm. or your Jeff Becks or whatever. But as far as dudes just playing like in some kind of hard rock band, heavy metal band, blues based rock, the Angus, like his his voice, like the voice that you hear in that vibrato is just like, it sounds to me like a violin. It sounds like nothing else. It's incredibly classy sounding, but then you hear the fury. But then every single note is loud. Like, that's the power of it. Like, a lot of the power of it is just that it's not that he's playing super fast or playing anything... Terribly you know. complex. Yeah, complex, yeah. Nothing yeah. nothing complex or, or super fast, but just, like, he's hitting everything so hard that it sounds like a real voice. And then the other thing about ACDC is kind of like what I was saying before. Like, the guys that are good at shifting from rhythm to lead... Now, Angus has the best rhythm guitar player in the world in back of him, but his own playing is as rhythmic, you know, like it's incredibly, incredibly rhythmic. But I think Keith's about to offer an example mm. of what he's talking about here. What's a good ACDC song? Uh, I mean, I, I love Highway to Hell, I, you know, first well, thing that comes to mind. Okay, well, if Highway to Hell, like you have that solo that, so the first part of that solo was just like... So is you doing the, you have your regular this regular So what you want to be able to get there is get these first two fingers. Yeah. Yeah. Now the way that he gets out of that is like I can't remember it that well to play it at speed. Uh, what was that thing you did in there where you used the pinky? I would love to. Oh, this one. Uh... Okay. Well. Well, here, this this is the worthwhile lesson part of it, because, well, look at what he's playing over there first. What he's playing over there is G, um, A, D, G, D. So, 
Well, we want to kind of have a grasp of first is that, you know, what you're playing over dictates what you're going to play. Yeah. You know, what was what's going to be appropriate. So that, that progression he's playing over is very simple. A to D. G, D. So now we talked before about um, major pentatonic versus minor pentatonic. Yeah. So this is basic, like, um, I mean, it's blues shit. From an Angus perspective, um, this is Clapton kind of shit, or, or it's 60s shit. And what those guys tended to do was know how to go from the minor to the major pentatonic to get the effect. So this box here, now this is the same thing when we were doing the um, open E minor pentatonic. That's where he's starting from for the solo. Okay. And then he works his way down. If you go um, three frets lower, the same shape. It's the, it's the major pentatonic. So now to get this in, like kind of the the meat of what makes it work in the song, let's go up to the fifth fret. And then can you see, can you play that shape up there? Yeah, and I'm going to recommend, just for practice, use your pinky for the stretches. Right. Okay, now can you play an A bar chord at that position? Okay, now you see if you have this A bar chord. Now these top two notes, that's the two top notes of an A chord. This note is A. And that's the fifth of A, which is E. So this is like your basic... Yeah. Now when you're doing this, you're just matching this to that. Right? Yeah. So basically what I'm saying here is that this whole section, like you're really hammering at the notes that are in an A chord. And you're going... Now, what he does to get down to the major pentatonic, he's, he kind of licks his way down there. So getting out of that, he goes to this. But down now here. Yeah. Yeah, right. Now, that's so in, in that first minor spot, he's this is the whole bunch that we've got so far. We got. Something like that. Yeah, and you notice yeah. that if it's not exact, it still works. It like right. would still work in the same context. So the way he, now he works his way down to this spot, and the way he gets down there is kind of like. So what he does here, once he gets here, yeah. Now what he's doing there that's weird is because now this is our new major pentatonic spot. So when he does this. He's pulling from the minor pentatonic into the major, right? Yeah. And then when he does... Uh, and the same thing here. It's like he pulls this note. Yeah. So you got... Uh, yeah. 
So what you want here is you want to be down here and pull this. Right, you there. you're pulling a third fret to get to that note, but you want, yeah, there you go. Close, you got. that lick that uh yeah how do now, you do that well now the first thing is what's cool about it is that we know that this is an a chord right now this note that note's an a right now when we were up in that other scale we saw that these two notes the top yeah see these two notes are the same as this minor pentatonic yeah. So when you're in a major position, you still have those two notes, but now it's this. If you bend this, that's like doing, and that note, that's a note from an A major pentatonic, right. or an A major chord, rather. So what you do to get this thing, that's the A. When you bend it, Now the goal is you want to be able to, bend, you have to bend it the other way, keep your finger bent so you can... That's it. Yeah, and then after you get those two notes. I can't tell though. Are you just bending this and the other two fingers aren't doing anything? Or? Yeah, except the other two fingers are helping me bend. Okay. One of the rules for bending is the more, like if you watch me do... You see how those are all bunged together? Yes. A rule of bending is like always just reinforce fingers with other fingers like you're trying to use your whole fist to bend the string. Yeah. But are you also fretting your fingers? Does it matter where the, other the fingers finger, go? No, not, the, not the reinforcing fingers. No, just bunch them up. You're just trying to use your whole hand strength. Yeah. I know you explained one time the difference between the up bend and the down bend. Yeah. The down, I mean down towards the high E. Right, right. In Wh this case... Why is it... Is it just too difficult to do that while doing this? Yeah, it would be impossible, time, I think, because yeah. this will start bumping into the other string. I mean, I hear this lick all the time, you know? Yeah, the reason why you hear it, it's an appropriate cliche, because what it is, is that we've talked about, like, if you're playing a solo, the best notes are the notes that are in the chord you're playing over, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're doing this, like, this is the root note, and that's the root note, that's the fifth. If you bend this, that's the third. So once, once you're doing this, that's just the notes of the chord. So that will always, there's always a way to work that in because it's always good for some chord or other. Which chord, by the way? If you're doing this, you're playing this, which is A chord. Yeah. Now, I, what make? What I know you said to help the finger, you know, use these as helper fingers, but my mm -hmm. tendency is to try to put them on frets. And, yeah, and you just have to lose that. Yeah. Music. Yeah. But 
like when I was talking about how the Ross the Boss hands look different, I've seen other guys like this. Like when you see guys that are really have that kind of technique when you're bending, like that's what you see. It's like you're going to see all the whole hand bunched together and the fingers very curled. So right. it never looks like they're working that much harder, but like they're, they're efficient. I just want to try it yeah. somewhere else on the neck. Oh yeah, it's, that's always a good idea. Do it higher on the neck is always easier. Sounds like a John Fogarty thing. I was going to think of that. Um... Which, and then if you did it your way, you would have the, um... But, Fogarty isn't, he, he, that wasn't one of his licks, though. That's, it's a big, uh, big Ron Wood lick. Big, if you, uh, listen to your Some Girls, you'll hear it on every song. Really? Yeah. Oh, Leslie West is awesome at those licks. He's the best. You mean the ones where he's... Leslie West is the king of... Something like that? Yeah, what you're working on... The whole thing is to work on being able to keep that and then let that go. So this is, yeah, the big thing you have to, you just have to let your other fingers go and help the worker finger. That's the whole battle. Yeah. Yeah. God, that's hard. Yeah. Well, it's, it's hard. A, if you haven't done it, it's a different skill, but yeah. like, you already have it. It's sort of, um. It's easier to do higher up the neck because there's Everything less is. tension, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's a great... The, the thing to do is, like, um, anything like that you're working on, start it high in the neck and then just go down one fret at a time and find where it gets troublesome. Because what it kind of is, is if you learn the right technique, it'll be easier to do higher on the neck. And then the as you Because the way spacing down, is obviously less. Yep. The fingers aren't stretching as far. The tension is less. That's right. Right. The nearer you get to the nut, the more tension. The nearer you get to the bridge. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and what you'll find is that if you're inching your way down the neck, like to be able to do it right, even high in the neck, you have to have at least a modicum of the correct technique. Right. As you inch your way down, it's required more. Like you. If I got nothing else out of this lesson but that, I would consider myself happy because I don't know how many times I've heard that mm -hmm. and wondered how are they doing. That. You know. Yeah, it's the country. It's a very, yeah, country the, shit. Cliff Burton. Uh, Major Pentatonic. You know. But have you yeah, listened to Mountain at all? Mountain? Yes. I used to listen to Mountain quite a bit. That's the, uh, Leslie West is the king of those lines to me. He's, uh, that's, he's the man. The other thing, not to go back to Jimmy Page yet again, but I told you I stumbled on all this hatred on the internet. That's and so uh, one of the comments was, I saw Mountain and Led Zeppelin on the same bill, and let me tell you, Leslie West blew Jimmy Page off the stage. Leslie West, you know, <laughs> was like... Well, maybe he did that day, but let's listen to the records next to each other, because 
I Leslie West, you know, I like I I probably can listen to Leslie West more than any other just for lead guitar. I, I can I'll I'll listen to him over anyone, but Jimmy Page like Leslie West didn't write fucking Houses of the Holy, you know, like right. he wrote Mississippi Queen. That song's okay. Mountain has a lot of decent songs, but like you know, it's not it's not Led Zepp caliber composition. Um, that by the way, I, Houses of Holy is one of those open tuning things. I think when what I the song the, this thing? Yeah. Not that song. Other songs are like Dan, Dancing Days. Dancing is. Days is the Dancing one Days of, yeah. is, but yeah, Houses of the Holy is all right. That's Dancing that. Days is open. What was the thing you were playing earlier from Physical Graffiti? By oh, I was playing uh, the, the Rover. The Rover. The Rover is yeah, cool be, because the way that he does it is you have to bend every single note, like when he's like. Um, yeah. So what you're starting with is. If like you have this, like we talked about bending from the the major, pen, he's bending every note into the minor pentatonic note from the major. So he's like, yeah. And then the next two notes is, it's the G string third fret. Now it goes from this. You have to bend into that note. So it's, yeah. So now you got. Like the, the first thing is like the first note is that not bent. So you start with this. Right. Yes. Then after that, yeah, you got. Let me try it on bent first. Sure. Play it again. God damn it. Why is it? No, this is one. See, I had to practice this a lot. Because what it is is, if you have this sound in your head, da, 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 ra, ra, ba, da, da, you have to bend almost every single note in it. It has to be bent to the note. Which is really, it's one of those things that's harder to do than it sounds like it is, but like, so if I'm. Bend, 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 You have two of these. Now you get. Now you get. Right, now go. Third fret band. First half in. What's the first one? Yeah, it is. So you got, yeah, bang. 
want to get these three things. It's here. Third fret. Third. Yeah. So the first bend is off the A string. Here? Yeah, so you got... Thing in the whole oh song. dear Christ! These two bends—that's the most awkward thing in the whole song. Yeah. So what I would do is you want to bend up both times because later in the song he does—he does those. But that's another big Jimmy Page thing—is the bend where you know you unison against. You know, against this, the open string next to it. Which he doesn't do all the time, but he does it sometimes. Just to be ready. Like that, you mean? Yeah. Alright, so let me try this one more time. Yeah. I'm hopeless. Well, let's look at the fun part. Let's look at the fun part. Yeah, the cool thing that he does is before the it he, he slides up. Yeah. Then. then you go. That's one of the weirder ones because out of the many things I've ever learned how to play, that's one of the most unnatural. Like your hand doesn't certain licks, you know, you get it in your head. Once your hands learn how to do it, it just happens. But that is not one of those licks that it doesn't become a self-regenerating. Well, it's a matter of sitting there and doing it. It is a matter of sitting there and doing that. That's, that's what the answer to all things. Oh, but I do love that song. My favorite. That's my favorite. Possibly my, I like that Night Flight off that album, but that Rover, I think that's to me the ultimate physical graffiti song. Oh, um, and uh, Down by the Seaside, with, you know, Lids oh, oh, and that, um, oh, I mama, like ten year, ten what's years, the, the second last acoustic song that, oh, mama, what is wrong with you? Oh, yeah, that's, that, that song is cool, man. 
Is that the one that they stole from Richie Valens? The one that's uh, Ooh My Head? No, 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 that no. They, that's Boogie no. with Stew. Boogie with Stew. No, uh, I, that song I like, I think it's the second last one. It's all acoustic with that kick drum. It's like, didn't have to leave me with your kid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that song right. is the coolest. And I like got, 10 Years Gone. Yeah, that's 10 Years like. Gone. That's when you feel like you're deep in the middle of a two-record set when you're listening right. to 10 Years Gone. But what I like is when... You know, they get to the chorus part, and it's about 15 layers of guitars. I, that's, yeah, yeah. That's the stuff I really dig about that record. It's just the... There's, God knows how many times he went over the same thing and recorded it in a different way. That was his genius. It's, I think that guy yeah. used the studio as an instrument. That kind of shit they always say about Brian Wilson. And that's why I get angry when people diss him. Because it's Ooh, like... Page? Yeah, when I you, think when he's you talk about he's when you Beethoven. talk about a producer, you know, mm. just his production skills, and the way he made those records sound, that, you know, fuck you and your hack, your hack attack. You yeah, know, that, yeah. That's, that to me is the way that guy was able to go in just from being a session guitarist, and he learned how to use a studio, and he learned how to make these records sound great. You know, you got to give it up for that. I agree with Apart that. Apart from his skills as a guitarist. Well, another thing, too, is like, because you were talking before about the, uh, when the levee breaks. Yeah. So I had a gig recently where that was in the set list, and they practiced it without me there. Always a mistake. Yeah. Because I'm the one who knows. They don't know, because they don't care. <laughs> but no, what the thing was, though, is if you listen to when the levee breaks, you have it in your head, you think of it as this kind of sludgy, bluesy jam that has those breaks in it. But when you listen to it, no. The bass and the rhythm guitar both do a specific lick that there's two variations on. And they have patterns of doing it three against one versus one against one. And in other words, if you are like the layman, or by a layman, I mean anyone who hasn't even bothered to learn it. Right. If you didn't learn how to play the song, it doesn't sound like there's a specific structure that is organized. If you have to learn it with other people, you get in there and you learn, no, it's this exact way a certain amount of times and this thing happens... And the structure for when, it, when the levy breaks, and Kashmir had the same experience learning that with people, like all these jams that sound like these repetitive, jammy things of Led Zeppelin, it is always specifically composed, and everyone in the band knew where every part was going, and that's why Dazed and Confused sounds on purpose. Yeah, well, it's, I, I, if you want to... Demonstrate. Did you when you played it? Did you play the open tuning or? Yeah, the, you yeah. can't play it otherwise. You can't yeah, play it otherwise. It's a little difficult to do. I'm trying to do the open tuning now to see if I remember. It. It? All right, let me take this off and I'll hand it to Keith over yeah. here and see if I can remember to break anything. You know, you could just put that one down right. there on the stand or wherever you like, where the headstock won't snap off. Yeah, yeah I've been there. <laughs> I've been there. I've done that. Okay. All right. So. You got to pick, right? Yes, I do. Let's see if I can write. So now in the version, like that happens four times in a row, back and forth, right? Yeah. Like for the intro. And the bass also follows that rhythm. And then when the song kicks in, it does the first thing three times and it goes the other thing. So it's like... Repeat 
repeats that a bunch of times, and in between, it does one time where it goes back and forth real quick, but then you got that... Um, I think it's... Oh, no, it's this. Like with that first finger on the third fret, it says like... You see, he's got that strategic thing of that leaving strings open. Like, if you just listen to it, it sounds kind of like ambient noise. Yeah. But he specifically opens and closes strings where you don't really hear the specificity of his little part. But, like, um, it's deep. Like, because when you're doing this... Yeah. Like, that's kind of like a passing tone. Mm-hmm. You know, in the ambiance of the song, but that's actually it's, there's a lot going on in there. It's pretty weird. A lot going on. Pretty weird. Um, so, and you want to just show Dancing Days for a minute because it's oh, be the same. Oh, but right? I don't know Dancing Days. Uh, I never learned it. It's a, I think it's a pull off. It's a, you know, that first note. Yeah, no, I just never learned okay. the. I, I kind of knew the. Um, I don't know it. You're right. gonna inter- you, uh, I don't know it either. So. Yeah, I never learned it. Never learned it. I love it. I love it. I vote for it. I vote Where's, for it. Where did that flashlight go? Oh, yeah. So. sounds like hell because it's a well part of the thing yeah. though is that because the way he did it he really like the proper way to play that is like i said like when i played it i played all no slide and i had another dude my friend rich ferritin was playing all slide yeah was he doing that though or what well was he, he was just i mean when you're doing this part like when you're doing the basic pull-off stuff you don't want the slide mm. but for the you want it for the slide parts but, but it's designed, the, the thing is mixed, you know, it's, it's arranged so that if you were one guy, like Jimmy Page, going back into your rhythm lead, going back and forth thing, yes, it's designed so that you can do that, because all the lick stuff is first three fingers, so you can have that slide for the other stuff. I know that's wrong, but I'm using a nine volt battery as a slide button. Something along those lines. Anyway, wow, we uh, we even got into open tunings this time around. We did pretty pretty remarkable. Uh, 
Let me tune once again back to normal and we'll wrap up. How's that sound? That sounds good, man. Uh, what, do you, what do you got planned for the evening? What are you going to go home and have a little chicken cacciatore? Little... I'm going to go home. I'm going to eat. I'm going to probably watch TV. I, uh, I, have, have, <laughs> you seen, have you seen Roadies yet? Um, I, that, I haven't seen it yet. Is it, is it being I hear is it it's on yet? It's fucking awful. They're showing a free uh, preview or they're showing the first episode for free on the tube of you. I so like Ron White. Ron White's in it, right? I like Ron yes. White. But um, yeah, I haven't heard anything Remind good me about who the show. He is again. He's uh, he's the cool blue collar comic. Oh right, yeah, he's okay. the cool one. Yeah, he's the big funny one. Um, but you know, I haven't heard anything good about it. I haven't heard anything good about it. And we also haven't talked about vinyl being canceled. So and we're happy. Vinyl's you know, canceled. you're you're happy. Yeah, because nope. I had to watch it, and I don't think it was that good. But I still had to watch it just to chat. Right on Facebook. Yeah, but um, no, it's it's like it's funny because that's one when you see it's canceled. It's like good, they made the right decision, because there was no one. I didn't know anyone that had an unqualified like even people that enjoyed it. There was always like, oh, you know, I liked it, that music. It's the best you're gonna get. <laughs> like like there was no one that had an unqualified like I really enjoy that show, and I think that shows that get renewed should have people going around just saying that. Without having to make qualifiers. Well, I, what was that the guy said on Facebook? He said, look, um, I got to see Olivia Wilde naked. And what was the other thing he complimented it about? It was, it was really it was like two stupid things. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. But that he was happy and he was satisfied with that. Yeah. Here comes the E. Here we go. I don't know. Game of Thrones, man. They're showing everyone how it's done, man. That, that last show. Game of Thrones episode was fucking awesome. Well, here's Fucking another thing, though, awesome. too, is, like, um, did you read the books? I did not. Well, here's the thing is, because I ended up reading the books, and this is the season that is post-book. Yes, they're off book. Yes. So the thing, the first part of it was that when it was on book, as far as books that are longer and, you know, very detailed and involved, yes. it, it was a perfect book made into a show where it seems like it was designed to be made into a show. Right. And not a movie, but a show, because they can go into the little, they have the time. You know, the novel novel approach of the serialized show. But now that they're off book, they're, they're really like, it's almost like it's a little better because they're doing everything very true to the characters because the people that make the show have agreements with George Martin the way it goes. Right. Don't fuck up my characters. Yeah. And, and, the, so, so, and they agree about the arcs, like the way that everything is supposed to play out is right and it just seems like the new season there is a crowd pleasing like we're telling we're not leaving you hanging like on anything yeah it's powerful well the battle of the bastards was just remarkable it was I powerful remarkable. yes it was powerful yeah well i like you know i like in the back i, I just love to just like let's do hand to hand and randy's just like no you might beat me like right. yes good yeah, bastard yeah, yeah, yeah. good yeah. bastard good <laughs> fucking smart bastard <laughs> Yeah, I thought that was great too. Like What's going to happen when your men hear you're a coward? That that was too. And then when he's trying to explain a pincer move to the other guy, and the other guy's like, what? <laughs> yes. what? You know. And then of course it's exactly what happens. They get surrounded on all sides, right? Yeah. And you're, yeah. you're just like, oh, this is just a corpse grinding machine at this point. They're, they're just going to be ate up and spat out. What you said you know? about the giant? Two giants died this season. Two giants sacrificed their lives. Right. Hodor and um, whatever the, the giant from the the, big the real giant, yeah. 
But uh, did you see the? Uh, did you watch the the ESPN OJ documentary? Yes, yes. Oh yeah, we were consumed with that. We, see, that's how you know we, the way that OJ won. If there was a Trump presidency, do you remember how you felt when you heard OJ was acquitted? Right. That's if if Trump wins. It's going to be like the day OJ was acquitted, where I remember in my world, it's like, what? Not guilty? Just like that? And, but well, then are, he, you, are you at all assured that Bernie said he's going to do whatever he can to make sure that doesn't happen? I mean, Bernie is now... What can he do? Know, what do you... Well, he, you know, obviously... Endorse Hillary? No, he's not doing that. Uh, uh, don't yeah. you think he's going to have to at some point? I mean, at, the, at some point, isn't it about... It's like the Republicans keep saying... At what point is it about your your country and not your party? At what point do you care more about your country than you do about your party? Well, this so, is where you get speculative because what, what I think is it depends. You, you now have this thing where you can watch the news and you live in one world and go on the Internet in the other world. So when I watch the news, Hillary is fine. When I go on the Internet, Hillary is about to be indicted any second. Or if not indicted, the FBI outs her. And this is where the OJ parallel happens. What Trump has to do to win is he has to make Hillary into Furman. This person is so fucking untrustworthy. Fuck it. Like you notice, like that was the way OJ won. Like, like because now you can see that he had the 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 jury was leaning pro OJ, but when they turned Furman into a total untrustworthy figure, that I mean, at least the way that they tell it now in the OJ. You know the acting series they had, right? And in the documentary, people to versus me, O.J. Simpson. Yeah, yeah, that was the linchpin moment. Like that was the moment when it was like, okay, O.J.'s sketchy. We're creating reasonable doubt. But then when they turned Furman into a total fucking like bad, unreliable, that is like the Trump trajectory. If he was to be president, is like O.J. getting acquitted. Right. He needs to. He's already got things stirred up enough that people are like. Yeah, you're fucked up, but they're fucked up. Like that's already kind of there. I know. And and the move is you need to. This is my theory. You need like they have to turn. They have to firmanize. Hillary has to get firmanized. Right. Like they have to turn her into so guilty. And it's there. The material is there. It's a matter of whether they can make that into the deal breaker material. And then someone has to make a Darden-esque, egotistical miscalculation. Someone has to try to make Trump try on the glove, man. Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> they have to make him well, try on the glove. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, after what happened in England, I, you know, obviously there's a lot of questions, but I still feel like he's, he's ultimately not going to have the numbers. He, he doesn't have the numbers. He's got white people with a high school education or less who are, you know, living in rural areas of the country, and those people he, he has. He doesn't have minorities. He doesn't have women. And I don't. I, I, I keep putting my faith in the numbers. He doesn't have the numbers. That, no, but don't, no. You Van know? Jones says don't do that because Van Jones. Did you see his thing yesterday? He no. freaked out yesterday because Van Jones was an early don't underestimate Trumper. You know, and Van yeah. Jones is very not into Trump. And yesterday he did a live Facebook thing where he's just like Brexit tells you because he said in Brexit, the numbers said no, it's not going to happen. Yes. And and that's what he said. He's like, don't trust the polls. Like this motor that made people Brexit. That's the Trump motor. And he said it didn't get pulled that way. And he said people weren't that worried because they're like, this country is not that stupid. And basically, Van Jones's whole thing, his thing was like, if you ever hear someone say not to worry about Trump, smack them. He's talking about your liberal friends. I would never say yeah. not worry about Trump. Yeah. I, I would never say that. But what yeah. I would say is that 
we have a stronger tradition of diversity in this country. I think what happened in England was really about that they, they like their monoculture, these people who voted to leave, mm -hmm. and they didn't. They don't want to give up their monoculture, and they saw it slipping away from them. Yeah. We, we don't have that monoculture tradition in this country. You know, we yeah. have, yes, there's a lot of white people, and, you know, you could argue that they, uh, you know, Europeans, white Europeans built this country, but all along we've had black people in this country, mm. we've had brown people in this country, we have... You know, we have a tradition of diversity and of immigration. Even if Donald Trump is like, you know, like closed, you know, the Statue of Liberty, cut off that fucking torch. We don't yeah. want anybody else coming. We have that goddamn statue out there and we have ingrained in the in the American consciousness this idea of we're a nation of immigrants. Right. Yeah. How many times have you heard that? So England doesn't have that. England doesn't sit around and go, yeah, we're a nation of immigrants. They don't have, no, we're a nation of, we're the British. We're, you know, yeah. and fuck all of these brown people that are coming in. Yeah. You know, we love ska music as much as the next person, but goddamn, we got to, we got to cut this off at some point. And so I, I, I mean, that's what I'm putting my faith in. I'm, I, I, I know I, I'm a person that has operated with no faith for many, many years, even when it comes to stupid shit that this country This is does. the perfect time for so, no faith. This is a very good time for no faith. But I, I just time. think that we all have to do whatever we can to make sure that that motherfucker doesn't become president. And if I, it's a matter of closing your nose and pulling the lever for Hillary, that's what has to be done. I hate to say it. I'm not enthusiastic about the woman. I never have been. But Lord knows, you know, with all of the things you might accuse her of. Yeah. There's no way in hell she could fuck this place up as much as Trump. There's just no way in hell he's going to fuck this shit up. And you know he will. He's going to fuck this uh, that, shit up. Well, that gets into another conversation because that gets kind of into, like, if Hillary systemically goes with, if she fits right into things that certain factions of the earth think are the evil, what's going to really bring us down, i.e. she supported the policies that made ISIS, she supports, like... You have to go into that like um, conspiracy-minded anti-globalization. America is evil, but they don't tell us on the news how evil we are. Right, right, right. If you put that against some guy that doesn't know how to president, right. that's not allowed to do anything too fucked up. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not. I personally, at this point, I am open to being frightened enough to vote for Hillary. I could never see voting for Trump. But right now, and also I don't think New Jersey's a swing state. If New Jersey's not a swing state, I'm not Yeah, a lot of myself. what we're talking about is a, obviously, uh, obviously moot. But, you yeah. know, I, I feel like what it comes down to is, you know, in terms of like even the Supreme Court, even other institutions that he will take a wrecking ball to. Yeah, that Supreme Court, fact, that's how they get you, though. That's you know, how they get you. I, I know that's how they get you. That's but how they get you. Here, so yeah. wipe that down before do you that. put it away. But... I also feel like, uh, you know, just in terms of what he will do for his wealthy friends, I, I, I don't think well, this guy has solutions to any yeah. of the problems that this country faces. Well, there's no argument. His solutions are horrible. There's no, he, there's no argument. He's got no, um, except like he's. But I know a lot of working class people. I talk to them who feel like, you know, he's going to make things better for them. And I want to just go, no, 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 yeah, he's not. Yeah, you have a parallel universe that I'm not privy to. Yeah. Actually. Yes. With your, uh, Let me. Uh, I'm going to say goodbye. Let's say goodbye. Thanks, Keith Hartel, for joining me. 
for this uh, aerial view. And um, I don't know. Do you still have your microphone clipped on? I, I got it right here. Always a pleasure. Uh, Always a pleasure. Uh, we'll, we'll get together again. And I, I, it, won't, it may not be a show, but we'll get together. You know, we'll have a point. good time then, son. Yes. It's just like. Cats in the cradle. Oh, also, my new job's a hassle, and the kids got the flu. Yes. I used to know that song too. Oh my gosh! Uh, did I say Cat Stevens? I meant, uh, meant Harry, 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 Harry Clothespin is what I meant, as we used to call him. Harry Clothespin. Yeah, we used to call him Harry Clothespin. Killed on the Long Island Expressway by a truck. Damn. You know, in his vo- in his that. Volkswagen Rabbit. That's what happened, man. He. uh the story goes is that he veered. They don't know why. They think he may have fallen asleep behind the wheel. Was he his, listening to his own music? I don't know, man. But his his car, his Volkswagen Rabbit, veered into the wrong lane, and next thing they know, kablamo. So, um, all right, Keith, where should f- folks go if they want to find you? By the way, find uh, me on the Facebook or go to Guitar Guitar Bar, Guitar Bar of Hoboken, New Jersey, is where I work and teach. Or if they find me, Keith. Hartel, K-E-I-T-H-H-A-R-T-E-L on Facebook. We can set up a Skype scenario. All right. And Keith's going to help me put all this shit away. But uh, thanks, everybody, for listening, and I'll see you next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday.